So for those who haven't um, been here um, in the past for night services, we've been going through the book of Ephesians. And um, I'm Sandra. Hi, if you don't know me. Um, And we are... We've got as far as Ephesians 4, and <laughs> unfortunately I wasn't, I wasn't well last Sunday, so I had to listen <clears throat> to last week via the podcast, but, um, you know, the powerful words that if we don't see what Father's saying, we may as well not have read the book. You know, it is words of life and spirit. That's that's how he feeds us. So, you know, just want to reiterate what Greg was saying about we can't come to feed from him like we would go to a university lecturer or some motivational speaker or something like that. We don't feed off him through trying to understand it and grapple it. Because God is spirit, and so he speaks to us by the Holy Spirit. Okay, We've been born again of the spirit of God. If we were able to understand him with our mind, we wouldn't, as a church, a global church, we wouldn't be in the state that we are. Because we would have figured it out by now, right? We've had many years of trying. But... The, we've we've discovered that man can do lots of deviations from the truth really well, and I, you know, we could spend eternity describing the various variations, but <laughs> there's only one who is truth, and he is a person, Christ, and there is only one that reveals who he is and who the Father is and who the Father's will is, and that is Jesus through the Holy Spirit, right? And that's what we've been looking at, and all of Ephesians builds on one thing after another after another. And Mel um, really nicely put it a couple of weeks ago, the first three three books are that describing what the will is, and then afterwards it's like the application of it. So what is the revealed, this mystery that, that Paul's been talking about that has been revealed to him? The mystery of the purpose of, of, of God's will for the church? What has he had in his heart? before the beginning of time, before the foundation of the world. Any takers? Let's see. Say that again. Okay. All right. Now what's he been revealing through these these times? about the eternal purpose. What's been in the heart of God from the beginning? <laughs> it's good. All of these are, are yes, 
the prime purpose is he's wanting a bride for his son. And oneness is part of that. But it's, it's not above it. It's because of it. <laughs> there's, there's things that he has had in his heart, Father has had in his heart, from before he even created the world. And that's what he's, he's revealing to us. But we can't just grasp it. We have to go after that. And, and like, mm, that sounds weird. Do we turn and do we investigate that? Because the, the revealing of this actually changes everything else. And so that's what we've been looking at. The, the whole book is an outlaying of the eternal purpose of God. So he is looking for a bride for his son. And he has, before the foundation of the world, he's chosen us and called us holy and blameless. And Greg spoke about that again this morning. So there was always a promise before there was ever a problem. That in itself, if we could get that, it changes the way we receive. There's always a promise before there's lack. The promise can't do the work in us if we filter it through our lack. So to know God's heart for us is the thing that sets us free into the purpose that he already has and he has already done. But if we come at it from our problem-oriented viewpoint, we can't receive. All these things he has laid out and he has put in place. Greg talked last week um, that amazing passage about this new self. <laughs> 24, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created. Doesn't says, it doesn't say will be created, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. It's done. But that we can't get that in our heads. It has to be revealed. We need our minds renewed, don't we? And that is why the Holy Spirit is given to us to renew our minds and to reveal the truth that is. Lead us into all truth so that we no longer live according to the lie, but we live according to the truth. Yeah? You see, we are children of promise, not orphans of lack. When we are asking from a position of power in us, it's not because we are drumming up something. It's because we are resting on what Father has said. That's it, simple. 
So I trust what Father has said way more than I trust what I say. And my saying must align to his saying if I'm to come into the life of who he is, which is what he's called me for and, and destined me for and chosen me for. So I've got to make that choice that I no longer speak the words that are contrary to what he has spoken. So all of these things, we've been seated in heavenly places. You've heard these things, but the reality of it, seated in heavenly places. So do we see life from above or do we see it from here? Until he changes us and, and really really rocks us on that, we can't. But he wants us to, and it is fully possible for us to speak, to live, to see, to function out of a place that is above, not under. Does that make sense? Because of all that he has done. The power of this is... Phenomenal. Like just a few words of his life are so radical when, when he reveals them that we could feed off that for a year. The, the change of life, the change of our responses and our, um, when we're going through things, what what is our default that comes in? Those things that change because of what he has said and what he's already put in place are so radical that they feed us deep inside. They're, they're meant to. They're meant to transform us because all that he has put in place, we are to come into but we still need to make a choice of whether we are willing or even want to believe. Do we dare believe? But also, are we willing to leave what we know? Which is often a position of lack. And along with lack is a, a relative, I'm almost going to say comfort, but it actually is extremely uncomfortable when you've tasted God. But it feels comfortable when you haven't made that choice. Just because it's what we know, that's all. It's only because it's what we know. But what he has for us is so much greater. And that's, this is why Paul has written this letter. Because part of his... Um, I guess, message that God has given him and has given the apostles who are part of the five-fold ministry that God has got a way of building his church is to describe and declare this mystery, this purpose of God, so that Christians all around the world will know that there's one purpose that God has in his heart and that all of those things are locked into that. So because he's looking for her bride, 
there is, there is a response of the bride of, <laughs> what, you, you, you serious? Like, if it's not doing that to us, then it's like, do we really get it? We're talking about sitting with Christ, being one with Christ. That shakes us out of any possibility of there might be something here for us that is greater. Because there's this, there's this future and hope for us that is far, far beyond anything that we could enjoy of this world. It, it literally fades into not irrelevance because it is very relevant because it's the training ground for the very purpose of God. And so we realize that he needs to change us because we're not born ready. <laughs> you know, children have to grow up and mature. And they, um, that, that process of maturing is um, sometimes painful but incredibly joyful because it's discovering. It's discovering more and more and more. So we can focus again on the pain, 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 but what about discovering the, the, the joy that's set before us? I mean, that's the very thing that has held Christ through the pain. <laughs> So the, the passage that we're going to go into is starting in verse 25. And um, it starts with, therefore. <laughs> therefore, why is the therefore? So it's because of all this. And I just want to throw a few things out because, again, there's something in our hearts that we, we need to be standing on the right start, starting point to receive this. We are standing in a place where we're not ashamed. Okay? Romans 1, 16, 17, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. So I'm not coming in shame because the gospel has, has hit me and has transformed me from a position where I thought I had to get better and better and better by myself. That was my story. You know, work on this, work on this, work on this. And the thing I really couldn't do much about was this selfishness because everything was for me. <laughs> I, I couldn't get there. I couldn't get there by trying to understand him. I remember in those days when, when I, was, I was so unsettled and I was searching, searching, 
And I remember going into my dad's study and pulling out some theological book and reading, and there was, there was nothing of life I got out of that. But when he arrested me because he brought me straight into my own pride and I went smack into it and I fell down in utter, um, like, that's not holding me up much because all my things that I'd rested on just came crashing down in front of people and I was really, 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 really embarrassed. But he did it for a reason because it wasn't until then that I screamed out, if you're there, show yourself to me. And it was like, ah, at last, no problemo. (laughs) The power of the gospel The power of a God who comes and reveals. The power of Christ who comes and reveals the Father to us. Who shows us that it's not by our working, but it's by believing what he's said. By seeing what he's said. And by living from the sight of that. That's what the righteous will live by faith. So Habakkuk 2, behold, as for the proud one, there was me. His soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith, by what we see. Hmm. I want to read the passage that um, Greg's uh, um, shared this morning out of the message. Um, and remember, I'm talking about the platform from which we hear the word. Okay? We're not ashamed. We're on a platform of something. Okay? So this is 2 Peter 1.11. Uh, sorry. one. I think it's 3 to 11. Right, everything that goes into a life of pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God after you turned your back on a world corrupted by lust. So don't lose a minute in building on what you've been given, complementing your basic faith with good character, spiritual understanding, alert discipline, passionate patience, reverend wonder, warm friendliness and generous love, each dimension fitting into and developing the others. With these qualities active and growing in your lives, no grass will grow under your feet. No day will pass without its reward as you mature in your experience of our Master Jesus. Without these qualities, you can't see what's right before you. Oblivious that your old sinful life has been wiped off the books. Nasby says that last one, for he who lacks these qualities is blind and short-sighted, having forgotten 
his purification from his former sins. To be blind and short-sighted, to me, means that we have no sight of the eternal purpose because we think life is just about here and now, the day I was born and the day that they're going to put me in the ground. But life is not about that. Short-sightedness can only see a little way in front, but God's sight sees way back and way forward without limit. And he declares the end from the beginning, and he wants us as people to know the end from the beginning so that we would run in alignment towards one goal. So, therefore, we're standing not ashamed, knowing that he has done this work to to set us free from one kingdom into another. He has revealed and is revealing. If you're seeking after, he will reveal what his purpose is. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Among, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. It's interesting, isn't it? This lay aside thing. It sounds like we've got a responsibility, that it's not all going to just happen with God. Zip, and it's all sweet as. It's amazing how many times it says lay aside in the word. If you look at Colossians 3, 1 to 10, it's an almost parallel passage to what we've just read. It talks about, um, in the same sort of manner, about, um, let me see, in verse 10, about, oh, in verse 9 and 10, since you laid aside the old self with the evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. It's almost identical, isn't it, to what we've just read out of Ephesians 4. It's interesting, I, I see this process of laying aside in so many different stages of our maturing. I don't think it's a one, 
I don't think it's uh, when we first come to Christ. And I'll show you why. Because there's three, three passages that, to me anyway, seem to be almost progressive of maturity. And, and the first one speaks of tasting of the kindness of God. And it's in 1 Peter 2.1. And it says, Therefore, putting aside, lay aside, putting aside all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of God. So you may have only had a taste that God is good, that God is kind. But there is a turning away to seek after who he is. The next one is in James 1, 21. And it talks about receiving the word. Because unless we receive his word, this ability to live isn't there. <laughs> We're just trying hard. Therefore, putting aside, laying aside, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility, receive the word implanted because it's able to save your souls. The beautiful one um, in Hebrews 12, we all know, I'm sure. And this is about seeing. So we've, we taste, we receive his word, we start to see. And now it's interesting what it is that we can expect so Hebrews 12.1, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What is the race? Bringing us back to the big picture. It's all related to the big picture. What is the race? So if we don't know what the race is, how are we going to know what to lay aside? Because there might be a whole lot of really good things in our lives that we can justify in so many ways, but we don't know what the race is. See, falsehood is not just lying. Falsehood is man's, amongst other things, man's version. Because if you have falsehood here, Truth is here. Who's truth? Okay, so when truth comes in, what needs to go out? Exactly. They can't coexist. And this is what the word is saying. Hmm. Just let that one sit for a while. Let's just go for a little wander into 
John 8. Um, sort of around 31, I guess, a good place to start. I won't read all of this. The truth will make you free. Are you hearing what you heard this morning? It's amazing, eh? So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, then you, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. He's talking about his word abiding and doing the work in us, not just having a knowledge of it somewhere out here, but his word actually having the priority and the access into the innermost parts. Okay, so David cried out in Psalm 51, you require and desire truth in the innermost parts. And in that broken state, that what he, that's what he was screaming out for. If you, if you needed sacrifice, I would bring it. But that's not what you want. You want to build me from the inside. You want to make the foundation of who I am Christ. Truth. You want to rewire me completely and utterly so that it's not me at the center, it's Christ. Further down, he says in, in verse 35, he's talking about the difference between a slave and a son. Listen to the eternal purpose in this the slave does not remain in the house forever. The sun does remain forever. Interesting, isn't it? There's always this bigger picture. So he wants us to come into the life of the sun so that we live according to his sight and that all that is built in us remains. It doesn't, it, it's not based in this earth and it passes away. Okay, which is what happens when man builds. It just passes away, gets burnt up. And he talks to these people who, um, he has this interesting discussion. <laughs> and I'll just pick it up a little bit um, in verse 43. Why do you not understand what I am saying? It is because you cannot hear my word. We've heard this before. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning, and listen to this, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. In other words, how can we stand in truth? Only if there's truth in us, the person, and he's done the work. Yeah? And he's talking about Satan. Whatever he speaks, whenever he speaks, rather, he speaks. Uh, whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So, getting back to what falsehood is, it can be what's dressed up looking like truth. Sometimes it's obvious and sometimes it's not. And that's why we need our, the Holy Spirit 
to lead us into all truth. We've got this movie called Luther. And as a modern-day Christian looking at it, some of what's in that movie is so obviously false, but it wasn't to the people of the day. There's a scene where this beautiful um, young mother with a crippled daughter who she's only being able to feed because she's basically they're living in the woods and she's selling her, the firewood that she's collecting and so the monks buy the firewood and they have a relationship with her and Luther is um, is um, realizing that things are not all they should be within the Catholic um, church that he's involved with and she comes and the hope in her eyes and she hands him this scroll, and it's what they call an indulgence, that she has just spent her very little money that she's got to buy this indulgence from a priest to save her daughter from the fires of hell. Now, that seems inconceivable to our modern thinking, but it was absolutely the thing of the day. And they didn't have the Bible in their own language. They were controlled by the priests for many other reasons that, that were, had nothing to do with God. It was to do with politics. It was to do with getting money, to making Christendom great by building a great cathedral, that sort of thing. Very obvious but there are things that come in the word and we think, is that obvious? In, in Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. And they're saying, but Lord, did we not? Prophesy in your name. Cast out devils. And he's saying, because they're, they're trying to justify. Their hope is a false hope. And he's saying, I never knew you. We need the Holy Spirit to guide us. We can't just on our own great intellect figure God out in all his will. It's not going to happen. He needs to reveal his truth. And so when he's talking about laying aside falsehood, it, it actually comes down to the nitty-gritty of when he speaks and says, that's not me. Will we turn from it and will we lay it aside? Let's put it into now. Okay, so I've talked about lack and our position of lack. So when we hear a word that talks about the promises of God for us, do we say, but no, I couldn't do that because of my lack? Is that not a falsehood? Do you see what I'm saying? So it comes down to the nitty-gritty of our 
everyday decisions, whether we are going when God challenges us to move forward on something, are we going to listen to his word and his promise or are we going to look and say, oh, no, I couldn't do that. And so we shrink back. This is the reality of this. And we heard from this morning the Holy Spirit clearly saying that we are to go and go forward to, gra- to grab hold of what he has grabbed hold us f- of us for. Yeah? It's not in presumption, it's in humility and in obedience to his word. That your word, Father, is greater than my word. Your word, Father, is greater than my feelings and everything that would make me want to shrink back because we are not of those who shrink back. So the pressing forward is part of this laying aside falsehood. We go on to speaking truth and love, and it's the continuing of the same. So when we're speaking to one another, are we speaking truth that is speaking of the eternal purpose and what God has for us and who we are in Christ? Or are we speaking words that just justify a position of staying in a dead place? Because truth sometimes confronts. It has to, because otherwise we stay in a place where we're not growing. And the purpose of, of the eternal purpose is that we would grow and mature, yes? For one purpose. And, and it is all good. <laughs> but we need to encourage each other towards that, not towards something else. Does that make sense? <laughs> Ephesians 4, 15, But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So everything comes from him. In all aspects, in all aspects, grow up in all aspects. into him. Because that's his desire. And he has made it possible and he's done it. We just need to have our minds renewed to what he's done. When it's talking about the proper working of each individual part and that there's a supply that's happening from each joint, we need to ask ourselves the question, is our supplying holding the body together? Is it joining us closely towards the one goal? Because that's the proper working. 
And if it's not, then we need to examine our hearts because it's given for that reason. Anything that we say, anything that we are, we are a gift to each other. We are members of each other. And so the reason why we're here is to encourage and help each one towards the end goal. So we're in the flow of what the Holy Spirit is doing, joining closely together. That's not me out here just figuring out my stuff and I'll come back when I've sorted it. <laughs> it's the nitty-gritty, isn't it, of, of the rubbing up against each other and, oh, but it's okay because I belong and he loves me and only in this situation can I have that love really revealed to me. If I hide, I'd never know it. It's beautiful, isn't it? So this love can go places. Speaking truth and love, this go, love goes to places that fear won't go. Because fear is afraid of people, afraid of um, rejection. But love is safe. Yeah, love is able to love because love is loved. Yeah, if someone rejects what I say, that doesn't um, that doesn't mean that I fall apart because I'm loved and accepted, and and I can love even when I'm rejected. And keep on loving because I've received and am receiving that love from him all the time. That will keep on. This is what we were singing about. He will keep on coming after us. And he will. What was that line? <laughs> I thought that was so appropriate. There's not a lie you won't tear down coming after me. We need truth in the inmost parts. I need him to show me what that is. I don't know. Some of it I do, but most of it he has to reveal. And even if I did know, I wouldn't be able to fix it myself. <laughs> Thank goodness for that, eh? Yes. <clears throat> it's amazing, isn't it? Just amazing. I love this thing about how how we see each other as he as he reveals this eternal purpose and and he talks about this new man that he's made before the foundation of the world that we are new creatures and he talks in second um, corinthians 5:14 for the love of christ controls us having concluded this that one died for all therefore all died and he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. <laughs> In a nutshell, eh? Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. 
Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away, behold, new things have come. Interesting, eh? To see each other like that. (laughs) Vera's looking deep into the eyes of Tina there. (laughs) Uh, Old things are passed away. When he spoke that to me, personally, like I had known that scripture, but I had to come to an absolute crashing. And he asked me to throw off. So this thing about laying aside falsehood, there was a time in my life where he absolutely confronted me with the garbage that I was holding onto. There was fear of lack, fear of failure, disappointment in myself. I could go on. Massive things that were like operating systems of thinking. And I'd go round the mountain, round the mountain, round the mountain. And I had to, he asked me, will you throw that off? And at that point, he said, the old things have passed away. And behold, I've made all things new. And to be honest, I was overwhelmed. I was overwhelmed in that moment that he would do that for me. His word has said it, but I hadn't received it. And in that moment, I knew that I still had a choice. I could still go back to thinking that. But in his grace, in his mercy, he had let me see the depth of depravity of it enough that I couldn't go back. I could have, but I couldn't. And he had offered me this open door. Why would I want to go back there? And yet, so many times it's tempting to go back to what we know, and yet he's got an open door for us. All things are made new. The reality of who he is and what he has done is so powerful and it becomes the new starting point we can receive from him. Hmm. I'm not going to go on too long. I just want to finish with these last few verses which really are um, the outworking of what's been said. This little thing about anger, interesting, isn't it? It comes from... Um, Psalm 44 which says tremble and do not sin meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still interesting that when you think of it in terms of the eternal purpose who belongs in our heart what belongs in our heart our heart is his so when we've got anger or whatever It's stopping him doing what he's doing in us for this eternal purpose. Yeah? 
So to not be reconciled or reconcilable is, is to not allow him access. And in that moment is very often the very moment where we have to make a decision. Will I let him have access or will I turn away and hide, shrink back? And it's, that's the nitty-gritty of it. That's why it's in here. He's warning about giving Satan a place. Do you realize Satan has no place? He has no place unless we give it to him, right? And, and he, all, all that, that Paul is writing here is that if you choose in that moment to withdraw into your anger, justifying why you're feeling it, and you assume the whole, and look, you will find many, many people will back you up. You go and talk to 99% of your Christian friends, I hope not in this community, and they'll say, yes, you've got a right to be angry and you've got a right to be standing up for your rights. What is Christ saying? What is Christ saying? He's saying, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. And your heart is way more important than this issue. Way more important. In fact, he's saying, repay evil with good. Because I live in you, and I'm doing that for you all the time and have been. Love resides in. That's in Romans 12, 19, if you want to go have a look at that. You don't have to take revenge. Hmm. You submit to God and resist him and he'll flee. Don't try resisting him without submitting to God, though. It doesn't work. (laughs) 28, I love this. This is the radical power of what lives in us. That he's talking about someone going from stealing to sharing. So they've been stealing. He's saying go and work with your own hands. Why? What's the whole motivation? So you can share with those in need. What's our motivation for going to work? Share or keep? Who is boss? Who is residing? You know, it is good to ask the questions. Not to come under condemnation, but allow him in, in every area. 29 is talking about words of life. We have been born of the word. God created all things through his word, it says in Hebrews 11. By faith we understand that the worlds were formed by his word so that what is created and what is visible has not come from what is visible. It's come from the invisible realm.
do Warren. Let's, let's take that into a discussion afterwards, Warren. Sounds good. Yeah. It is, this is the reality. It is war, war of the spirit against the flesh. Always. We're all in it. Hmm. So these words of life that we've been born from, been born again by the spirit, we know the power of his word. We know the power of life that comes from hearing his word because we've received his word if we have received his word. So what we say is of high significance, isn't it? It carries weight in him. And so the, the, the journey together is that we are sharing the words of life that are helping and are empowering, the grace that empowers to overcome things. When we were going, Chris and I were going through all this stuff with Chris's illness a few years ago, there were a couple of people, and I've said this before, there were a couple of people who were the prime ones who would speak the the eternal purpose to me so that my sight would be lifted up above the things that were going on to see the purpose behind it. Had I not had that, I don't know how I would have gone through it, you know? And that's the thing we can be to each other. We speak from what he's revealed to us of what is, what is life all about. It gives grace, that empowerment, not grace that covers, grace that empowers his life in us to overcome, to overcome and see them as light and momentary afflictions that are producing in us a great weight of glory, eternal glory, something that lasts, whereas this is going to pass away. And I'm going to finish pretty much um, verse 30 about the Holy Spirit. This, this and the first verse of what I read, verse 25, were the things that really spoke to me on my first reading of this, that the Holy Spirit has been given us as a seal. Let's just, I'm going to have to turn back there, sorry. Ephesians. <clears throat> Right, so do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See the purpose? The eternal purpose is right there. <laughs> Why were we sealed? For a day. For a day. There's a finish line. Yeah? And it's not just sealed like, okay, so we just kind of stamp you so you're ready. <laughs> that it means ownership and security. It means we're sealed from destruction and marked for reward. Interesting, eh? 
and the process to gain the reward is the sanctification process, isn't it? And who's highly involved and completely needed in the process of sanctification if it's not the Holy Spirit. Okay, so if we're going to grieve him, it's probably because we're not cooperating with his process. (laughs) Just saying. Um, You know, like he's prodding us on something and we're saying, I don't want to hear about that, thank you. I'm just going to go over here. And, yeah, it's good to really ponder who he is. Like he's not just, I don't know, I can't think of anyone. <laughs> he, he's not just like um, a little lost kitten that's just come in or something. He, like we're talking about the king of glory in us, yeah? I love little lost kittens. But, you know, like do we actually give him the time of day? Do we give him the honor? In order to receive from him, or do we just take him for granted? He's there, he's gonna be there. He's sweet. You know, does does God's kindness cause us to be casual? Or does it cause us to be grateful? Mm. Yeah. So all of these things in the last couple of verses, to me it's all more things to be putting away, but it comes through this receiving from God in Christ. We've received this forgiveness. We've received his kindness. We've received his tenderheartedness. And that that becomes in us our will, which gives us the capacity, doesn't it, to, to do the same for others? So if we're having struggle, struggling with forgiveness and stuff, you know, the, the, the first point of call is, well, has he forgiven us? Has he forgiven you? In fact, he puts that up there and he says, if you don't forgive there, I can't forgive you. It is really serious stuff. Because he, he needs an open vessel, an open vessel that he can continue to work in and work with. So look, I'm just going to leave it there. And there's a few questions. I'm sure there's many other things that will come up through um, Christ in you. Yeah? Each one. Amen.